This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. wonder if you guys stayed up for the craziness on Thursday night. I did, kind of. I will explain my process in a moment here when we talk about the Vikings game and just what we saw in that 36-28 win over the Steelers that was way harder than it needed to be. Almost on cue, the Wild did the same thing in their game making uh, San Jose get back into it after being up 3 nothing, Going into the third, Wild ends up winning that game 5-2, to two, but it got to 3-2 in the third period. Not quite as much of a nail-biter as that Vikings game, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Got Chris Hine on to talk Timberwolves and their four-game losing streak and what's been going on with that team. And Mark Craig's NFL picks, not including, of course, Thursday night's game because that already happened. And I don't know if you could have predicted how that game would have gone. That said, maybe you could have because here's what you missed. It was 26 to nothing. Vikings over the Steelers. They played an immaculate first half, 23-0 in the first half. Early third quarter, it's 26 nothing. They seem like they're in complete control. And I, I literally, I, I think to myself... I've been watching Vikings games for a very long time since you know since the '80s, since I was you know maybe 10, 12 years old. You know, growing up, I was a little bit more of a Dolphins fan. I didn't really have a team um, growing up in North Dakota, but you know, at a certain point, the Vikings became the team I watched the most. And so, you know, I've been watching Vikings games for 35 years, probably at least paying attention to them in in some fashion. And there's not a lot of Vikings games where I said to myself, "Okay, they've got this one under control." I feel like it's it's you know it's pretty well in the bag. I I, I don't have to watch the rest of it. So at 26 nothing, um, I went to help uh, help put our two older kids to bed. Um, you know, which involves bedtime stories and you know playing some games, things like that. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to record it. I'll watch the rest of it later, but I I'm, I feel pretty secure, strangely secure for a team that has had its struggles this season. I feel strangely secure that this one is in the bag, that they've got this one. And so I'm, you know, I'm I'm working on bedtime and I you know, I'm seeing okay, it's up to 29 nothing. All right, late third quarter, you feeling even better about it. And I'm just kind of monitoring the game on a score app while I'm while I'm doing, you know, just occasionally while I'm doing bedtime. I see you get to 29-7. I'm like, yeah, 29-7, okay. And then I see, okay, interception, 29-14, and it's still early fourth quarter. And I'm like, okay, mm, that's only two scores. Steelers get the ball back right away, get another quick touchdown, miss the two-point conversion, which is important, but it's 29-20 at that point. Vikings get a quick touchdown, 36-20. You're like, okay, order's been restored. <laughs> there's another turnover. Then the next thing you know, it's 36-28. Next thing you know, the Steelers have the ball deep in Vikings territory with one final play in the end zone, just like last week, to tie the game. And if not for a jarring hit by Harrison Smith, Pittsburgh might have scored the touchdown that gave them a chance to get the two-point conversion that got that game somehow improbably into overtime. Now, some of this is on me, right? I should know better. We should all know better based on 60-some years of Vikings history and based on what's happened this season that no lead is secure. But that one felt like it was completely secure. Pittsburgh looked terrible. I was like, I had no idea how this team won six games this year. They looked completely 
confused in run defense. They could get nothing going on offense. The Vikings were aggressive. They were getting their pass rush going. And then at a certain point, a you know, uh, they just flipped a switch, and next thing you know, they were roaring back on this Vikings team that's made a habit of that happening. And, you know, statistically, the Vikings still dominated to a certain degree, but, you know, a couple of Cousins interceptions and turnovers down there um, late in the game and, you know, just short drives, things like that, and all of a sudden it's, it's, it's a game. And, and just like, you know, the NFL has been like that all year, specifically the Vikings have been like that all year, but this one should not have been that hard and that was the post-game message from a lot of Vikings players Mike Zimmer here is Zimmer after the game talking about what he witnessed you know uh, that team that played in the first half for us was pretty darn good and I think could probably beat anybody the team that played in the second half um, probably could get beat by anybody so um, you know there was a lot of really really good things in the first half we ran the ball I thought Cook was outstanding our offensive line opened up a lot of holes defensively you know, we we're getting after the quarterback and playing good in coverage. And then the second half, you know, we, you know, we were up by 26 or something or 29. And we throw an interception on the first play of the drive. Um, you know, and then, you know, we we, we get uh, two. I think we get two turnovers and the uh, start of the or we end up kicking two field goals to start of the second half, which, you know, we got the ball down in there and we probably could have put them away. But um, anyway, you know, we fought like crazy, like we always do. Now we talk about Zimmer and Mike and Rick Spielman's job status. Like it's just another facet of the team. Like it's, a, you know, it's like it's the run defense. It's a really more serious matter. People's livelihoods at stake here. But my goodness, if, if they had lost that game somehow after being up 29 to nothing late in the third quarter at home and dominating a Steelers team that seemed to want no part of competing in that game. If I was owner Ziggy Wilf, if I was the Wilfs, I would have had a hard time restraining myself from just making mass firings on the spot because that would have been the sort of unforgivable loss on top of last week's unforgivable loss. So to salvage a win, I guess, is, you know, is, is in his favor, but it doesn't mean anything unless they go and win in Chicago next week, too, and if they if they can't correct these mistakes. Uh, players had kind of the same messaging, wanted to kind of, you know, accept the win but know that they didn't, you know, they certainly didn't finish the way they wanted to. Here was Kirk Cousins followed by Anthony Barr talking about that. I would have loved to uh, have won that game, you know, a little earlier, if you will, but um, a win's a win, and uh, proud of the way... Um, you know, our team played, our defense played, our special teams played, our, our offense, our run game. Um, proud of Dalvin, uh, his toughness. You know, scoring 36 points and, and having 450 yards of offense is a uh, – there's a lot to be, to be uh, excited about there. But, um, uh, you know, there's also a lot we can do better. So, Yeah, I mean, uh, can't make it easy for, for whatever reason. Uh, should have probably never got to that point, but it uh, definitely feels good to kind of redeem ourselves from, from the last week. So um, obviously the first half is what we want to build on. Second half, we kind of want to disregard that, uh, correct the mistakes, and you know, get ready for next Monday. So, I mean, in the end, a win is a win. I, I posted their updated standings, by the way, um, after the game. Four, five, two, and two. I know that sounds like too much, but uh, here's how I see it breaking down. Vikings have four wins that took a decade off of your life over the Lions, Panthers, Packers, and Steelers. 
five losses that nearly killed you. Bengals, Cardinals, Cowboys, Ravens, and Lions. Two solid wins, Seahawks and Chargers, and two basic losses, Browns and 49ers. But that's like nine out of the 13 games this year have been absolutely down to the wire. Um, the kinds of games that you know you figure you might see two or three times a year. They've had nine of those already this season. And, you know, I, I asked you guys on Twitter also for uh, for your reactions to the game. Luke Braun said Jordan Berry got his revenge. Let's not overlook that. Jordan Berry's punt uh, before Pittsburgh's final possession pinned the Steelers at, inside their own five, made them go a long way with no timeouts and just the the extra yards that they didn't have to that they had to get uh, might have been the difference in that game because if the Steelers had 20 seconds more or you know 10 yards fewer, that game might have gone into overtime, and then we're talking about a completely different story here. But my favorite response came from uh, Dane Ryan, who said there's zero joy in this team. Even if they make the playoffs, it'll be a miserable watching experience, and that kind of sums up where fans are at then on top of that i believe i can only presume based on last names richard ryan replied to that tweet saying my son is finally a true vikings fan i'm so proud and that just made me laugh because it just speaks to generations who have passed along this curse is too strong of a word because it's still it's still fun to watch the games even if we complain about this but have passed along the the angst that it takes to watch this team year in and year out struggle and try to win and maybe someday make the Super Bowl. I don't think it's happening this year, you guys, but they are still in the hunt. They put up the in the hunt graphic on uh, on the game. My, my favorite thing, the in the hunt for the playoffs. Got that win 6-7 and seven. now. If they go to Chicago and win next week, they are certainly in the mix in that NFC playoff race, even with tough games at Green Bay and against the Rams left, and then that last one home against the Bears. So we'll We'll see where this season takes them the rest of the way. The only thing I would probably predict is that I should not turn any game off because you never know what is going to happen. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake where every day is play day. Happy to have Chris Hine back on Daily Delivery. First five-time guest in daily delivery history. You got to be up to like fifteen or twenty at least now, um, Chris. And it seems like every time I've had you on to talk Timberwolves, of course, you cover the Wolves for the Star Tribune. Lately, um, it feels like alternating appearances. It's up, down, up, down. It's like, hey, the Wolves are going good. What's going right? And then it's the Wolves are going bad. What's going wrong? And we're back in one of those down cycles with four losses in a row. Maybe not terribly shocking given that we knew the schedule was going to get harder this month but you know from from where you sit maybe we can start big picture and then i might get into uh wednesday's game and wednesday's post game um what what are you seeing from this team right now that's uh, that's leading to this four game losing streak well i think it's a it's a combination of a lot of things right now first of all i think just this wolves team in general is bound to have bouts of consist inconsistency um they're still a young team, still learning how to win on a consistent basis in this league. As you mentioned, the schedule has gotten tougher. You know, you have uh, you know teams that have made deep playoff runs of late in Utah, Atlanta, and the Nets. 
in the last three games here. Those are three tough opponents, and they haven't had everybody available for these games. We've had, we've seen illness come through the team that's cost guys a couple of games, like Jaden McDaniels and Jared Vanderbilt. Patrick Beverly's bit just got back in the lineup last night. D'Angelo Russell all of a sudden goes out because his ankles bothering him for the last two games. Carl Anthony Towns missed one of those games, so you kind of piece all of this together. And it adds up to a four-game losing streak. That's 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 kind of life in the NBA right now. The defense to me hasn't been as good. They're still tenth overall in defensive rating in the league, but last four games they are twenty-fourth. And I think that was kind of one of the questions going into this stretch was, you know, would that good defensive work hold up? And again, I think some of the things you said. Bear repeating, especially Patrick Beverly missing three of those four games, but he comes back in that Wednesday game and they give up 136 to Utah. And, you know, a couple of these teams lately have been shooting the ball pretty well, Utah and Atlanta in particular, but 24th over that last four game stretch when they've lost all four. Um, do you feel like defensively they're going to kind of settle in more as a middle of the pack team as they as they kind of see the schedule sort out or is this just kind of a confluence of missing guys and going against better offenses and that they're still going to have a maybe a slightly above average to you know maybe even better than that defense as the year goes on I tend to think that it's going to be maybe an average to slightly above average defense as the year goes on I don't think it has much too much to do with the guys that they were missing because I think what you saw the last couple of games here with Atlanta and Utah is even when the Wolves were, were playing, you know, good defense or playing well defensively, they were allowing a decent number of open threes. And teams like, you know, Sacramento and New Orleans and San Antonio and Houston, those teams maybe don't have the personnel or the shooting to take advantage of some of those open looks. So kind of the, the defense they're playing against those teams works well because those teams can't, can't necessarily knock down the open shots that they may have or that they may generate. So the Wolves defense maybe looks better as, as a comparison. But Utah and Atlanta, two of the best shooting teams in the league, you give them open looks, and <laughs> we saw. I think they each hit twenty-five threes. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. So it, you know, you, you you get these teams that actually have the shooting to take advantage of these open looks, and it could be a recipe for for disaster. So so I do think you know, given all that, uh, my my thing is, I think they're probably just a middle of the pack defense. You play this way, you play this way, you maybe create a lot of turnovers, allow some open threes against some of the worst teams in the league. And it looks okay, but you do, you do this against some of the better teams in the league, and you might be struggling a little bit more, and maybe have to score just as much as you're as you're allowing up if you're if you're going to try to stay in these games. Now, after that Wednesday game, Anthony Edwards and Patrick Beverly had a lot to say. Uh, one from Beverly was that when they're healthy, the Wolves are one of the best teams in the league, and so he's not particularly worried about this skid. Are you? Are you buying that or is that a veteran trying to prop up his team? Because it feels a little bit more like the latter. Like I think they're, I think they were playing well when they had good health, but you know, aside from Russell, who let's, let's face it, has been, has been up and down, but has been a key piece this year. They're 0 four when he doesn't play this year, mm-hmm. aside from Russell, they had pretty much everybody available that night. Right. Yeah. So here's my, here's my thought about that quote. And, and Anthony Edwards has said that a lot, like, Hey, if we just have everybody available, we'll be all right. The reality of life in the NBA is that guys come in and out of the lineup all the time. 
Yes. It happens a lot. That's that's the problem with that. That's a, I, I actually believe them that they can hang with anybody in the NBA when everybody's healthy. We've seen it. They beat Milwaukee. They beat Miami. Um, they beat Philadelphia on the road. Like when everybody's healthy, they do have the capability of, of, of beating anybody in this league. But that's that's the fact of life in the NBA is that guys come in and out of life. D'Angelo Russell, you know, misses a, a chunk of games every year. You know, it, it's just injuries and illness and things like that. They happen in the NBA. So you're you're the likelihood of you having everybody available for significant stretches of time is not that high especially with guys who maybe have some injury histories or at least some, some history of missing, missing games uh, during their careers. So I, I think that that statement is, is a, is a true one, but I just don't think it happens as often as you, as you think, especially with this team. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, it's, it's the, that's the reality in pretty much any, any professional sport right now. Like you're just not going to be, a hundred percent at most, you know, at most points in the season. And if you are, it's, it's probably pretty fortunate that you are. And you, you'd love to see every team at a hundred percent all the time. Cause then you're getting the best possible, you know, matchups and, and action on the court, but yeah, you're going to be missing guys at various points. The wolves certainly know that. Um, another thing Beverly said, he, both he and Edwards were taking exception to Rudy Gobert not guarding Towns. I'm going to get into the Edwards Towns kind of go go fast thing in a minute, but it just struck me as odd when you lose by 32 to critique another team's defensive game plan when you only score 104 points. I mean, it seems like it was a pretty good game plan because it seemed like it worked. Yeah, I think so. I, I think Patrick Beverly's, I think he's trying to play some mind games here for the next time they play each other because the Wolves have played the Jazz two more times this month uh, yes. out in Utah. So I think he's trying to get in Rudy Gobert's head a little bit with, with what he said, basically. And, and for those that didn't see what he said, um, he basically said, look, I, I hear that that's the defensive player of the year over there. And if I'm the defensive player of the year, I want to guard the best player on the other team. Like, why isn't he guarding Carl Anthony Towns, essentially? Why is he guarding Jared Vanderbilt? Which, you know, a little hilarious that he that he kind of nicks his own teammate along the way with this with this <laughs> with <Yes>. this quote. <laughs> but you know, the point is, I think you know, next when I mean, they play each other again on December twenty third, I think you know he's trying to to get Gobert to go to Quinn Snyder and say, hey, you know, let me try to guard Cat for a little while here and see what happens. And I think that. If that happens, maybe the wolf, maybe the wolves like that matchup a little better. So maybe he's just trying to a, a few mind games here for the setting up for the two matchups later this month. I don't think it's going to work because it worked for Utah on Wednesday, and it's kind of this you wrote about. It's kind of this Utah defensive model that some other teams have tried, where it's not necessarily the team's best player that's that's the primary defender on on cat, or not they're not their best big. It's that they're. they're they're starting with somebody else on them, oftentimes a power forward, so that they can use their center to double and leaving, you know, Jared Vanderbilt or Josh Okogie, who are whoever they have, Jade McDaniels at the four, because let's face it, none of those three guys have provided a whole lot of offense this season. And, you know, if Towns tries to beat the double team by passing to Vanderbilt, there's a 98% chance the ball is going to go off. Vanderbilt's hands and out of bounds because he's for all of his strengths, uh, good hands is not one of them. Um, so it, it does seem like this is a tactic teams are employing, and, and Edwards is 
It's basically saying in his news conference Wednesday after the game that he's imploring Towns, hey, go faster. Go, go don't wait for the double team. Get the ball. And if you if you got Bogdanovich, who you know, Edwards kind of trashed by saying it's disrespectful for Bogdanovich to be guarding Cat. Um, if if you got someone smaller and less skilled on you, go at him right away. And I don't think he's wrong, but it was an interesting dynamic when a second year player is telling a seventh year player what to do. I think so, but I think I think you know, as I tried to write in my game story the other day, or I think it speaks to you know a little bit about the dynamic of where Anthony Edwards is as a voice on this team too. And I think you saw a little a little glimpse into into what that's like that he can that he has that latitude to go to Crawford Towns and maybe say stuff like that to him. Um, you know, I, I, that news conference, I, I made a joke on Twitter that it was, uh, you know, it was pride night at target center. Um, and, you know, Patrick Beverly and Anthony Edwards certainly brought the shade that, uh, that us in the LGBTQ community love to love to throw <laughs> from time to time. Yes. So it was, it was a, a post game press conference full of shade. It was, it was great. Um, so, but I do think going forward, maybe we see, maybe this Utah loss maybe provides some sort of breaking point as it relates to this defense and how Carl responds to it. You know, we'll see how it goes going forward because as long as it works, other teams are going to keep trying it. Um, we just have to see how, how Towns responds and wants to make them pay for it. Now, again, you, you talked about breaking point. We've been talking about this, tough de- December schedule for a while. Maybe we can finish up with, with this notion. I mean, they've lost four in a row. The season's gone, what, three and one start and then lost, what, eight of nine, I think, and then they won seven of eight, and then they lost four in a row now. But, uh, you know, what we, this, this, this tough December schedule doesn't quite look as bad in the next stretch because some of these teams that we thought are going to be pretty good have certainly had their own struggles as well. I'm talking about like Portland, Denver, the Lakers, they got the Mavericks twice in there. I mean, some of these teams are certainly still good, but those are, you know, more equal, even tests for the Wolves. I mean, as you think about getting out of this month, what, you know, going close to 500 the rest of the way probably sets them up in in okay shape. Is that kind of the baseline in your mind of what needs to happen for them to feel good about what's going on here? I think so. Um, I think close to 500 is, is a reasonable goal for the rest of the schedule. You have, you have Cleveland and, and the Ricky Rubio revenge game part two coming and Kevin, up on, and Kevin on Love Friday too, night. maybe. And Kevin, and Kevin Love. Uh, you know, you have a gettable game in Portland against a team that's, that's kind of a little bit reeling right now. Um, Denver has been hovering around 500. You know, they're not a, a, a kind of a regular season juggernaut as they have been the last couple of years here. So you do have some some of the more gettable games coming up here, um, but again, you know, to to our points earlier, if everybody's available, I I think the Wolves, you know, have chances in all these games. If 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 Delo's out again, um, you know, as much as some people like to criticize him, the fact is he has like the highest defensive rating on the team. Um, He's been he's been important at that end of the floor as well as the offensive end of the floor this year. So I think that just from a team perspective, they miss him on the floor. If he's not available for these next couple of games, then you know we could see we could see a repeat of of what's happened the last few nights here. Well, we will see. The Cavaliers game is Friday night. Should be fun to see Ricky Rubio and Kevin Love, like you said, a possible 
revenge game. They're an important one for the Wolves, like you said. Want to stop this skid before it gets too deep, and you know maybe set us up for the next time we talk in two or three weeks to be talking about, hey, the Wolves are uh, have figured it out once again. <laughs> That's always the way with this team, isn't it? It is. It is. Well, good stuff, Chris. We'll catch you down the road, okay? All right. Thanks, Mike. Now, I wrote a little bit more about the Wolves on StarTribune.com in, and in your Friday Star Tribune. Just Carl Anthony Towns uh, and post-up situations this year has been really bad, and a lot of that's a function of those double teams that Anthony Edwards has been talking about. Towns is turning the ball over on more than 30% of his post-ups this season. It's an absurdly high number. And when that, when and if that number goes down, their offense will be a lot better. And I think a lot of that's a function of going faster and not waiting for that double team to come where some of those turnovers are happening. Now, you know, he, he, it's been a problem in recent years. You know, last year he had the highest rate among big men. Or I, I mean, sorry, among post-ups with uh, post-up players with at least 100 post-ups. Two years ago, he had the second highest rate among 100 or more post-ups. But, you know, back in like 2017, 2018, he's only turning the ball over on like 10% of his post-ups. The Jimmy Butler year, he was much more efficient and careful with the ball back then. And he needs to get back to that. He needs to figure out what's wrong with his post-up game right now, especially with all the turnovers, because that cannot happen if you're going to have a functioning offense. Mark Craig joins the show right now, covers the Vikings, the NFL for the Star Tribune, does the weekly picks segment. We won't talk about the Vikings game. That has already happened, but uh, plenty of other intrigue for the week. Some good uh, some good matchups, not such a great one with uh, Packers and Bears. Imagine that'll be a little bit of a uh, walkover for Green Bay, who owns who owns the Bears, right? Uh, not not the, uh, not the Hallis family or whoever owns them now. Uh, Bears owner Aaron Rodgers. Uh, let me look it up here. They got him winning handily. Uh, you know, I it just this would be like uh, what he twenty. He's twenty four and eight against him. Uh, this you know so thirty five thirteen is what I got, um, and he'd be twenty four and four after this one. I, I just you know the Bears are in a similar situation coaching wise. Uh, uh, they're kind of hitting the end of the run, and um, you know, Packers. They just dominate this division, and that's one reason why. And that's because of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and it doesn't uh, doesn't figure to end in this game. And some of the best games this week are maybe over uh, over in the over in the other conference. Uh, Bucks have a the Bucks have a good one right against the is that the Bucks and the Bills this week? The Bucks and the Bills. Yeah, I mean that's uh, the Bills are in an interesting run for seven straight weeks. They've had they followed a loss with a win. And vice versa, and then they lost last. They lost the. Uh, so yeah, the, each week has been a, a loss for followed by a win. So, um, to me, that's. I like the Bills are up and down. The Bucks have won three straight with, uh, you know, 30, 30 or more points. It sort of feels like the the Bucks could hit another little hiccup. I mean, that they're still going to be a, you know, a playoff team, be a force, you know, a Super Bowl contender. Uh, but I think maybe it's time for the Bills to come come up a little bit and the, and the Bucks to go down a little bit. Yeah, what did you make of uh, last week's Bills game and the Patriots? What throw the, threw the ball three times all game? You must have let, you must have enjoyed that. Yeah, uh, two or three for night. I asked Cousins about that when we were talking about wins and losses. And I said, well, "What do you think about you know Monday night? You know Mac Jones? That's a win for Mac Jones." And he went into some long Cousins where the brain's really working on how all the different. Uh, 
variables that go into that. But yeah, it is fascinating to watch uh, uh, wins and losses. And, and, and I, I'm a believer in wins and losses for quarterbacks to a certain degree. But, you know, two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, Lamar Jackson throws four interceptions and he wins. He wins the game because uh, the, the Browns can only come up with three points off of four turnovers. So, uh, yeah, it's, it was a... It was interesting just because it's the Patriots, and you know that the Patriots, when they get something, when Belichick gets something in his head, he's going to go with it. Uh, he came to to uh, Minneapolis back in the Childress era when they when this team had the number one run defense, and we asked him about, do you have to you know, beforehand? Do you have to run the ball? He's like, oh, we got to make sure you establish balance. He came in and only ran it five times and passed it like forty sometimes. So when he does that, it works, and, and, and you know it's coming, but it still works. I remember that game. It was, I think it was the 2006 season and the Vikings had started like maybe three and one or something like that in Childress's first year. And it, the Patriots came in in the first drive, marched right down the field, didn't run the ball a single time. Brady just zip, 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 zip. And I think the final was something like 31, seven or something. It was not a close game. No, no, not at all. And that was, you know, you know, Belichick ahead of time say, well, you got to establish a balance. Da, 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 da. He had no, no desire to run against it. The, the Williams wall, and that sort of other team started, you know, copying it a little bit. It seems simple, and Belichick identifies the simple, I guess, and uh, and exploits it. Focus on a couple more games in the NFC. Washington, Dallas, interesting. Washington going pretty well right now. You wrote in your picks about Taylor Heineke finding a little magic. I I still wonder. You know, he was with the Vikings back in 2016. Injured his foot, didn't he? Sever a tendon in his foot, kicking in a window, and that was like, and that was like a month before Bridgewater's devastating injury. I, I just, I've always wondered if things might have played out differently for him here in the Vikings quarterback trajectory if he hadn't had that injury that year. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's hard to say. You know, it's it's going to take a little bit more of a sample size before we, you know, I, although he's he's building, he's putting, as they say, he's stacking the bricks, you know. Uh, with the playoff game last year, and then what he's he's had four straight games of completing seventy percent of his passes, which is the longest streak in the NFL right now. They've won four in a row. There's a confidence there. Uh, I, that's actually my upset special. So uh, you know, I Dallas is sort of wobbling. I mean, this could be one of those get right games for the Cowboys. But these two teams play each other two times, I think, in three weeks. Um, so I, I like the first one going to Washington uh, at Washington. That would not necessarily bode well for the Vikings, although it might not matter. Last one, Monday game is probably the best game of the week. Rams at Cardinals. We'll see if the Rams can catch the Cardinals. They certainly would need to win this game, I would think, to have any crack at the division. You've got the Cardinals winning this game in a fairly high-scoring affair. Yeah, I mean, they, they played back in week four, and the Cardinals won you know, in Los Angeles like 37-20. You look at the Rams. We were all hot on the Rams that first month. It was just like kind of like you know they got this this all star team and Stafford. Stafford's is a perfect fit. Well, since since they lost to the Cardinals in that week four, you know they're basically five and zero against teams that aren't any good, and four zero and four against the good teams, the better teams in the league. So you know I, I like the Cardinals. The Cardinals not only are are good and talented, but they're also getting healthy again with uh, Hopkins back. Kyler Murray seems to be back moving the way that he, he moves. Uh, so, yeah, until the Rams can, like, have a, a signature win after, I think they week three they might have beat the Buccaneers or something. Uh, we were really high, what's really high on them. But since then, it's just been kind of like they've followed the script. When it's a good team, they lose. When it's a bad team, they win. 
That's not a bad regular season formula, but it's not a great um, playoff formula. So we'll see how that shakes out. Mark Craig, good stuff. I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about when we reconvene a week from now. We will. Enjoyed Mark's picks as always. It was a little shorter this week because we didn't have the Vikings, obviously, to talk about. But uh, I will leave you with the final message on that subject. Uh, in the industry, I'd like to say good teams win, great teams cover. The Vikings, through all of it, did manage to cover against the Steelers on Thursday night. Let's finish quick with the cooler. I alluded to it at the start. The Wild jumped out to a 3 nothing lead on the Sharks. Looked like they were in complete control. Then it got to 3-2 in the third period before the Wild managed to pull away again and win 5-2. to Another win. They keep stacking them up on top of themselves. I believe that is now eight in a row for the Wild. Just, you know, cruising through the West, um, just staying hot. Um, the superlatives are, are way up there. Kirill Kaprizov, uh, after, you know, I want to say a slow start to the year, but getting a lot of attention, figuring out how to play through that. He's been absolutely phenomenal lately and, uh, you know, had more, you know, just more of the more of the good work that he has been doing. Wild at the top of the NHL for the first time in a decade since December 18th, 2011. That is in Sarah McClellan's game story. Go read that. They lead the league in wins and points, 19 wins, 39 points. This is a, this is a team that's got something going for them this season, and maybe if you're looking for less heartbreak, that would be a team for you to latch onto as the winter goes on. That'll do it for me today. That'll do it for me this week. We'll be back at it Monday with Patrick Royce. Won't have a Vikings game to talk about. Should be a freewheeling, fun Monday show. And we'll see you then. Have a great weekend. Watch out for all the snow.